And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Finish my donut barely in time. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here on the Sci Fi for Me TV network, the Sci Fi for Me radio network. And it is kind of a network of, of platforms where we have this show available in uh, a lot of different places, uh, various different podcast platforms. We've got listeners all around the world. Happy to have all of you with us at your convenience, because I know uh, you don't listen live because that's not how it works. But we're always glad to have you around, whether you're listening or watching live or by Memorex. And of course, you can always jump into the chat and leave a comment and send an email. Live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com is uh, how you do that. So here we go. I have a question. Uh, well, and... Assuming, assuming that the internet cooperates and we don't lose power again, I'll be able to ask this question and kind of spark some discussion here because we lost power last night and uh, weren't able to do the ranker pit like uh, like we had originally planned. So, uh, so that discussion is going to happen next Tuesday. Tomorrow on the program, Cameron Pasha will be here. We're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel. And my question... What is a fan? Now, the reason I ask that is because there's been some things that have come up here in the last few weeks. Most notably, and the chatter has been around this... Uh, article, and I'm not going to get into it in depth because we'll probably talk about it next Tuesday, but this article in Salon that ran here last week about the Fandom Menace and how it's a descendant of Gamergate and Comicsgate, and, and it's basically a smear piece. It's basically a hit piece. And... It, it brings up, well, it, it sparked my thinking a little bit on this and some other things that have, that have rolled across the transom as we go through this. Mrs. Boss and I were talking the other day about, you know, we'd, I, we've sat and watched the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel. We're going to try to get the other two done today. We're seeing Thor tonight. And the question... Mrs. Boss asked me the other day with regard to my enjoyment of such things. In the context of, you know, is it hard? Is it a challenge? Is it more difficult for me to enjoy things because I understand the craft of making things? I'm a filmmaker. I'm a media person. I've been doing this for 33 plus years. I know how the sausage is made. And so sometimes it kind of takes me out of the thing that I'm trying to enjoy and things I'd like to enjoy when I see things that I, I know the behind the scenes stuff. And we were talking about in the capacity of our coverage of such things, does it diminish our enjoyment of such things? We know about, you know, casting rumors and plot leaks and that sort of thing. Does it make it harder to enjoy these things? And, and, and it goes even further 
to the question of well, the more basic question of what is a fan. I mean, can you enjoy something as a fan if you're in the process, if you understand the inside baseball stuff? Maybe. But we've seen position, we've seen, we've seen chatter, we've seen discussion, and Dave, I, I see you there in the same position. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that are in this boat. Do we filter our coverage through our fandom? Or do we allow our fandom, our, our sense of fandom, to impact how we cover things? I think there's some of that. I think that's it's there, there's a there's a nuanced discussion that hasn't taken place yet and probably won't. Let's be real. There are sides. But what is a fan? I mean, if you go back to the strict definition of fan, you have a couple of different, I mean, besides things what stir up the air. But you have the definition of fan. This is from Merriam-Webster. An enthusiastic devotee as of a sport or a performing art, usually as a spectator. Number two, an ardent admirer or enthusiast as of a celebrity or a pursuit. And they give the, the example here, science fiction fans. And I would say that science fiction is a performance art. I mean, we do have our TV shows and our movies. We've got our video games and our comic books and stuff. Enthusiastic devotee. It's that enthusiastic part that gets me sometimes. Because sometimes I'm not that enthusiastic. More often than not, the older I get, the less enthusiastic I feel about some of this stuff. And I've talked about that before. That's not that's not the purpose of this particular excursion into thought. But the origins of the word fan come from the word fanatic. Continuing with this Merriam-Webster examination of it, it says there are a good number of etymological etymological myths in the English language, stories about the origins of words, which are, to put it kindly, inaccurate. This does not mean that every vivid account of linguistic origin is fictitious. Many words, such as fan, do have colorful backstories. Okay, fine, you gotta editorialize. Okay. Fan is generally, and very likely correctly, believed to be a shortened form of fanatic. The origin of fanatic, which can be traced back to the Latin word phanum, meaning sanctuary or temple, we'll get to that in a minute, is less often commented on. In English, fan made an early appearance in the late 17th century, only to disappear for two centuries, resurfacing in the late 19th century. In this later period of use, it often referred to the devoted observers of or participants in a sport. An 1885 article from the Kansas City Times, for example, that paper no longer exists, I don't think, contains the line, the baseball fans of the police force and fire department engage in a ball game. Well, now we go back to our definition of fanatic. Because if that's, if that's the beginnings of this, the first known use of fanatic as a noun was 1644, and the definitions are 
a person exhibiting excessive enthusiasm and intense uncritical devotion towards some controversial matter as in religion or politics. That's the original use of the word. And now things start to make a little sense. What goes around comes around, does it not? Because, especially lately, there's been a certain amount of self-righteousness on the part of fans. And it's not anything new. I mean, this kind of debate has been going on at least since the 30s when you had the the Worldcon debates with the true fans and whatnot. So this is nothing new. And it also is not anything that's going to be resolved now or in the future. We have names for fans. Whovians, Trekkies, Trekkers, Gators, X-Files with the P-H spelling brown coats they're enthusiastic and some of them are enthusiastic uncritically and what that means is that we look at something and we like it because it's part of something and we ignore the problems with it. We will watch anything labeled Star Wars because it's Star Wars. Any Doctor Who, any Star Trek. It's a problem for some. And you also have this idea that some fans don't want other people to be fans. Well, if I'm a fan of something, I'm, I'm a fan because I enjoy the something, right? And if you have somebody else that enjoys that same something, well, by definition, they're a fan, right? And it doesn't matter if you've been a fan for five minutes or if you've been a fan for five years or you've been a fan for five decades. If you enjoy something, why do I want to take that away from you? But the reverse is true as well. If you're a fan of something, you should not try to take away my enjoyment of something. And there are some people in these fandoms that are doing just that, or trying to. There's, there is, there is a place for gatekeeping. But not the way it's being done. Because the gatekeeping that's being done is has a has a political filter applied to it. And we've seen this at least as far back as Captain Marvel and The Last Jedi. And Cam makes a good point here. I've never cared who else was a fan. Now I'm forced to because those fans think it's about them. And I've expressed my theory on that. I've shared my thoughts on that with regard to the shippers and the Tumblr crowd. Tumblr was a safe space for people who had less than conventional thoughts about franchises. Let's just be real. These people need a place to express themselves because what they have to express is not generally suitable for public consumption, let's say. And you have people who are so intense 
in their feelings that if you say anything, anything to the contrary, how dare you, right? Yeah, Keely makes a good point about Raylos. People who wanted to see Ray and Kylo Ren get together as a couple. Why would you do that? Same kind of relationship that the Joker and Harley Quinn have. It's not a good relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. It's an abusive relationship. Why would you wish that? And some of these people were so fanatical in their beliefs, in their enthusiasm, that they harassed Adam Driver and his wife trying to get them to break up so that Adam Driver could then go date Daisy Ridley. Because Raylo. And yeah, shipping has been around for a very long time. I mean, we could we could talk a little bit about the Kirk Spock slash film uh, slash fiction of the 70s, <clears throat> but we're not gonna. It has been around for a long time. But it's been under the radar. With the internet, and with Tumblr especially, that stuff suddenly had a place for expression. And with I found my tribe. I found other people who were in that mode of shipping whatever various characters with other characters. Does the fan... Being a fan is not always a good thing. Because there are people who claim to be fans. But the extent of their fandom, the extent of their enthusiasm, basically involves embracing anything by which we can change the thing. And, and we get into politics, we get into identity, we get into intersectional groups with regard to all of that. I mean, we see what happened with Lightyear. The whole thing centers around a lesbian couple, and people said, no, not going to buy that ticket. And there are... There are people, and Cam makes a good point, so some fans don't actually even like or consume something. They're part of a lifestyle. And that's a, that's a very good point, because some people are the go-along-to-get-along crowd. This is the trend. It's hip-to-be-square type of thing. Everybody's a fan of Star Wars, so I'm going to be a fan of Star Wars. I don't want to be left out. Everybody's a fan of new Star Trek Discovery. I'll be a fan of Star Trek Discovery because I don't want to be left out. Even though I don't have any idea what this thing is, I'll say that I like it. And who knows? There's, there's likely a lot of people who are coming into these franchises brand new. And this is their entry point. Kurtzman Trek... Disney Star Wars, Kevin Smith's He-Man, Stevenson's She-Ra. Sci-Fi Stops says, The worst thing for a true fan is for their fandom to go mainstream. And I would agree with that. Because the nuance gets left behind. You have the surface level understanding of a thing. And casual fans may know some of that, but they don't care about 
the deeper aspects of it. And I think that's one of the one of the things that we're running into with Star Wars and the discussion of rebooting the original trilogy, for example. Because the people what making Star Wars now, while they might claim to be fans, and while they actually might be fans, their understanding of what it is they've got their hands on is somewhat limited. Maybe because they're surface-level fans and they haven't gotten deep into the lore like a lot of other people. There are people who have bought all the books and have all the movies and have all the comic books. Well, maybe not all of them. And fans can be very positive there can be some great things done in the fandom. You look at all of the charity work that they do. The 501st especially. But people, people who are fans, I mean, how many cosplayers go visit hospitals? And you can, you can say some cosplayers are fans. Some cosplayers are just dressing up in the costume because they look good in the costume. Who knows? You can assume that cosplayers are fans, but some of them are probably more fans than others. Does that change what they do? Does that change how we look at them? We've got a, a couple of groups here. We've got a we've got a group that gets together every year. They're they're enthusiastic fans. They go to Planet Comic Con every year. They some of them dress up in costume, and they raise a ton of money. And they go to Target and they fill up twenty and thirty or forty shopping carts, for toys for kids, and clothes and and stuff that people need, and they do it every year. And it gets bigger every year. These are people who are fans. And then you have people who are saying they're fans, but they don't want you to be a fan because you don't agree with them. Snobs says, directors who say they're fans are not fans. They just say it to placate the fans who are worried about their shows not being true to the story. <coughs> Maybe. <coughs> Keely says, respecting the lore is not racist. Looking at you, Amazon. Uh, Dave, yeah, respect the source material. And <coughs> I, will, I will admit... When it comes to source material, there are some, there are some franchises that have... A lot. And there's a lot to... There's a lot to reference... If that's the kind of story you're going to tell. And and you get back to... You know... Taika Waititi, for example. And the latest coming out... That he wants to make a Star Wars film... That's not tied to the Skywalker saga. Okay. Probably not a bad idea. And he's on the set of Thor, Love and Thunder, and he's got Natalie Portman there. And he's so impressed with her work, with her performance, that he says, Hey, I'm doing the Star Wars movie. You want to be in it? And she looks at him and says, I was in a Star Wars movie. I was in three. And people are roasting Taika Waititi all over, this, all over the internet this, this, this week now because he forgot... If he's a big fan of Star Wars, then certainly he should know that Natalie Portman was in three of the movies. A central starring role. It's not like she was playing one of the handmaidens like Kira Knightley. She was one of the stars of the prequel trilogy. You should know that if you're a fan. See, and that's, that's where... That's where we get. You should know that if you're a fan.
know. Keely says, if Disney and the CW were to ruin Buffy, a lot more Buffy fans will join the Phantom Menace. I think Buffy's done. I mean, Buffy's in, in comic books, but I don't think you're going to see anything in the Buffyverse for a long while, given, uh, given what we've learned about Joss Whedon. See, I you talk about Buffy. I, I didn't really get into the show. I'm a fan of the movie. I enjoyed the, the Christy Swanson movie. The TV show, okay, it was, the TV show is like, <clears throat> the TV show is like the 9021, it's Buffy 90210 is how, is how I looked at it. And I know Mrs. Boss is probably going to rail against me on that one, but Buffy 90210, it was soap opera. And I don't do soap operas. I just, eh. it's, I never got into the Buffy TV show. But, I don't disparage anyone who did. I don't insult the people who liked Charmed. And, to be fair, it's not just genre where this kind of thing happens. I mean, look at the rivalries in football. Or, you know, there are fans of tennis players. There are fans of golf players. I mean, there are fans of there are fans of Paige Spiranak and and they're not fans of hers because she plays golf. She's got a huge following on Instagram, and it's not because she plays golf. We all have our different reasons for being a fan of something. <laughs> yes, and the snob Natalie Portman played Jar Jar Binks. Um, <clears throat> there is a theory that's going around on the internet. It hasn't been... It hasn't, it hasn't gained traction like I expected it to. It's called the Gungan Seahorse Theory. Um... You might, you know what, I'm, I'm, hang on, I have to, I have to look at this, just a second. I just want to see, I don't, I just want to see if it, if it, if it shows up in a search. It doesn't. We're going to have to work on this. We're going to have to work on getting the Gungan Seahorse Theory a little bit more out there. Um... Uh, Snob, why does she have fans if not for golf? Uh, who's the go oh, her name is Paige Spiranek. I don't, I think it's Spiranek, Spiranek, Spiranek. I mean, I think her, her handle is, I think, Paige underscore Renee. She's a good golfer. But, you know, Tiger Woods has fans. John McEnroe, Venus Williams, Serena Williams. I mean, they have fans. People who are enthusiastic. They follow their careers. You know, various different actors. I'm going to look at Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has fans. And there are people who are going to go see a movie with Tom Cruise in it because Tom Cruise is in it. Not necessarily because of what the story is. And that's fine. But like uh, like they like I think it was I think it was Kim earlier uh, said there are some people who claim to be fans they're they're fans because it's the thing to do and once they get into quote unquote being a fan then they want to change it into something because they don't like it the way it is. And we're going to address that. We're going to get into that here in a little bit, right after the break here. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. We're not puny gods, just puny podcasters. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 
Sci-Fi for Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with all of you. And uh, Sci-Fi Snob has found uh, has found Paige's Instagram. It says now I'm a fan of hers. I don't play golf. She looks like a model. No, she she was a she was she is a professional golfer, and has. Uh, has some has some wins in her record. Um, so, but yeah, there's my uh, there's my there's a there's a piece of my fandom right there. Some models hanging from the ceiling. Uh, the Enterprise, the Reliance, an old Klingon D7. <clears throat> and and snob uh, we can't really we can't really close this up uh, because <laughs> at, at least for now uh, the cat the the guest office cat likes to climb around up there um, but it, it gives it it gives us a it gives us a studio feel having all of these uh, open rafters and stuff so uh, everything's no everything's up to code everything looks good it's all here no leaks. So, all right. So, I want to I want to address this one thing the the gatekeeping aspect of of fandom because we see this crop up every now and again and it's and it's done it you know I mentioned I mentioned the salon article that's not the first time this thing kind of happened because a long while ago you had your rewriting Ripley this was well I say a long time ago but it feels like it it was a year and a half ago. The rewriting Ripley article that came out and basically said all these people who don't like the Last Jedi are racists and misogynists and they're homophobes and they're bigots and they're alt right Nazis and they like they like uh, they like Breitbart and Infowars and and all all this mess right the GamerGate this the GamerGate became the fandom menace. I have found that up until a certain point, people who were slinging insults and doing the name-calling and doing the cry-bullying, those people generally, generally tended to be of a particular stripe politically and ideologically. I mean, they're they're more on the progressive fringe left than you'd find anywhere else. And and this is something that you can see everywhere. It's not just do you like the last Jedi or not. It's everything. It's video games, it's comic books, it's, you know, if you don't like the fact that Tim Drake is now bisexual, then you're a bigot, homophobe, alt-right, Nazi, racist, Republican. If you don't like the fact that Jonathan Kent is bisexual, then you're an alt-right, Republican, Nazi, bigot, racist, whatever. Right? It doesn't have anything to do with the, with the complaint about the story. It doesn't have anything to do with the substance of the story. 
if you're going to be an enthusiastic supporter about Jonathan Kent being bisexual, then it's generally because Jonathan Kent is bisexual. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're telling a good story. And how dare you for questioning that Jonathan Kent needs to be bisexual. It doesn't have anything to do with the story, and that's the point. There are people who are fans of something not because of the craft, but because of the boxes that get checked off. And we have things like <clears throat> the Kelly Marie Tran situation. We have the Moses Ingram situation that brewed up here a few a few weeks ago where people were sitting there, you know, the Lucasfilm people were telling her, now wait, now, now, fair warning, there are going to be people who don't like your character because they're racist because you're black. And I didn't see very much criticism about her being black. I saw criticism about the character being crap, about the writing on Obi-Wan Kenobi being crap, about the continuity with everything else that we've seen in Star Wars now being kind of thrown out the window. Those are legitimate complaints. And they've got nothing to do with Moses Ingram's race. And to be honest, I'm still waiting for people to present all of the harassment that Kelly Marie Tran got. Snob says, gatekeeping is important. That's the reason all these non-fans wrecked everything. They should have been gate-kept out in the first place. He said, the problem with nerds, they saw nerds being cool, saw normies getting into their nerd stuff, and thought then would assume they would be cool. Instead, they got kicked out. I blame the Revenge of the Nerds movie. You know, it. it's interesting that, you know, people, people make the distinction... You know, when fandom, you know, when when it when it became mainstream and acceptable to be a uh, to be a nerd, to be a geek, right? <clears throat> because all this time we got bullied on the playground, we got insulted, we got laughed at, we had to sit at other places at you know other tables in the cafeteria. We were shunned, we were ridiculed, we were we were looked askance at, right? We were weird. Oh, you like that Star Trek thing, Star Trek thing. You're weird. You play that D&D thing, you're weird. Or, or worse, you're a Satanist. And I will, I, you know, there are some arguments that could be made... That D&D is a somewhat of a temptation for some people. I played D&D. I know. I don't, I don't think that it was derived out of, a, out of a, uh, a, an effort to recruit people to the Church of Satanism or anything like that. But the Bible does warn us those of us who believe the Bible does warn us to stay away from the occult and from witchcraft so you know back in the 80s that big scare you know the the moral majority the Christian right going after D&D &D, their beliefs are such that it's generally not a thing to do <laughs> it was to recruit people to the Church of Gygax's pocketbook, says Kim. I, you know, there, there's something to that. I mean, sure, any publicity is good publicity, right? And, of course, you had that, that movie with Tom Hanks, Mazes and Monsters, that talked about how terrible D&D &D is. Oh, my. And nowadays, you have Gamergate. The Boogeyman. Sad puppies. 
comics gate. But in the 1930s, you had it. The true fans at Worldcon. It's always been a thing, right? But the difference now is that mainstream aspect of things. And part of that is due to the internet and the connectivity that we have now that we didn't have back then. Back then, I mean, pre-80s, you, you wrote letters to people. You wrote letters to the fan clubs, and you wrote letters to the fan magazines, you wrote letters to the comic book publishers, and these letters would show up in the back of the issues of the comics, right? They didn't prolifer prolifer proliferate all over the world. It was, hey, here's Spider-Man 125, and there's my letter. And how many people saw it? You had fans that published fanzines run them off on a mimeograph machine or throw them in a, in a Xerox copier, staple them together and put them in the mail to 25 people who, who paid you 50 cents. But with the internet, the proliferation of the internet and everything that came with it, now you have this whole new way to connect to people that seemingly believe the same way you do, are enthusiastic about the same things you are. And so you have this whole new thing where now all of the people sit here and saying, oh, this is really a thing. And then it becomes bigger than it actually is. Well, maybe, maybe the fandom that we have now, quote-unquote, so-called, maybe that fandom is not necessarily as big as you might think it is. And it's certainly divided. But you could probably distinguish between fans of Disney Star Wars and fans of Star Wars. Fans of Kurtzman Trek, New Trek, J.J. Trek. Fans of Star Trek. Dave, I want to highlight your comment here. He says, thank you to those in the chat for your input. You add another level of enjoyment. And I, I, want, to, I want to add to that my own thanks, all of you who are here. Whether you're lurking in the background, if you're listening or watching in replay, or if you're here live, you know, we're glad that you're here. And I guess you keep coming back because you enjoy what we do. Does that make you fans of our channel? Maybe. Keely says, rap and hip-hop is nothing compared to rap and hip-hop back in the 90s and early 2000s. And to that point, what we're fans of now is not going to be what we're fans of tomorrow. See, because yesterday we were fans of things like Heinlein and Asimov, Foundation and Dune and The Lensman and Tom Swift, Planet of the Apes, Ursula Le Guin and McCaffrey's Dragon Riders. Now it's Star Trek and Doctor Who and Battlestar Galactica and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And tomorrow it will be Cyberfrog, Earthworm Jim, Bass Reeves. Who knows? And yes, there are people who are still fans of Heinlein and Asimov and saying, but they're not the prominent thing. Probably because media. 
And and Snob, you make a good point. The problem with idiot reporters too lazy to find a real story, so they go on Twitter and Instagram and write about some weird trend trying to make it mainstream. It's that's that's the thing, right? The media augments all this stuff. I mean, you look at what happened with the sad puppies thing. The media were all over it. Some somewhere someone got it and it blew up. And the mainstream media <clears throat> All came down on the same side of it. <coughs> These sad puppies are terrible people and they're racist and bigots and homophobes and they're, you know, it's more of the same. And it's always driven by politics. Identity politics, political party affiliation, all of it's the same. It's always the same kind of people on the same side of the arguments. And and both sides. All right? It's not just the people on the left. It's not just the railos. It's not just the, the, the Last Jedi fans. It's not just the people who love Jodie Whittaker's doctor. And how dare you not like Jodie Whittaker's doctor, you... you sexist bigot it's not just the people who are all over Brie Larson's Captain Marvel swooning it's not just that side it's the other side because when you get when you have polar opposites when you have factions that are in complete and total opposition to each other then the extremity of the argument gets enhanced and we see this I mean as as much as Salon wants to complain about the fandom menace and we poo poo about oh how, how silly and ridiculous these articles are like the thing in Salon and the thing in rewriting Ripley Stop and consider that there are people on that side of the argument who are going to assume that something is going to be terrible. It's going to be woke. It's going to be full of politics. It's going to preach at me simply because of who's making it or, or their tracker. It's easy to make that assumption. I mean... It's easy to sit there and say, for example, Ms. Marvel is going to be woke. It's going to be a bunch of garbage because, one, you have an ethnic lead. And some of this is based on how the character has been treated in the comics. Because the character in the comics is essentially an insert character, a self-insert by San Anima. Who might be still at Marvel Comics? We don't know. And the marketing and the promotion of Ms. Marvel was centered around her identity as a Pakistani descent character as opposed to, hey, look at what this character can do. Look at... Look at Look at the stories we're going to be able to tell. No, it wasn't anything about it. It was about the brown girl from New Jersey. And so that colors the perception. And you look at how Lightyear was marketed. And you look at the interviews that Chris Evans did going into it. And that colors the perception of the product. And you have the, the stuff that happened with Captain Marvel with Brie Larson. And everything that happened with Rotten Tomatoes and YouTube. And it colors the expectation for the next thing. And so we sit there and say, well, Ms. Marvel is going to be a bunch of SJW garbage, as some have said. We're not going to give it a chance. I'm done. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother with it. And so these automatic knee-jerk assumptions about the other side only serve to exacerbate the fact that we're on the other side. There is no dialogue. There is no discussion. There is no debate. 
You're either with us or against us. And if you get out of line on either side, if you get out of line, then suddenly you're part of the other side. And I've seen it happen from both sides of the arguments. I'm not going to call anybody out, but I've seen it. I've seen it from people who hate The Last Jedi, and I've seen it from people who love The Last Jedi. We have to get past the automatic reactions. The automatic assumptions. Look, if you're done with Star Wars, you're done with Star Wars. If you're done with Marvel, fine. You know, we were talking about it the other day. I said, you know, Mrs. Boss was asking me about it. I'm not as enthusiastic about any of this stuff as I, as I used to be. I'm not as much of a fan as I used to be. I enjoy things that are in these franchises, but not everything. Certainly not the way I used to. I don't remember the last time I bought a Star Trek novel or a Star Wars novel. I've gotten a few that have been review copies that the PR, the, the, the publicity people send me, but I don't remember the last time I spent money on it. You know, we're going to go see Thor tonight. It's a, it's a preview screening. We got invited by the, by the PR company, so it's a, it's a press thing. It's work. I'm going to go in and I'm going to watch the movie and I'll probably write a review. Would I go spend money on Thor? I don't know. But I'm also not going to sit there and say that Phase 4 is the MCU like some people have. I think that's that's taking things a bit too far because it's there's no there's no there's no benefit to it. The name calling is not productive it's reductive and it makes the argument about things that it, it takes away from the substance of what we should be discussing are these stories well written is the craft of the thing any good is it consistent with what has come before is it a logical progression out of what's come before is it a logical evolution of the next thing? Because things have to change. I mean, you can't just do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You get stagnant. Marvel is kind of like that right now because everything's become formula. And so it becomes predictable. So people are not as expect, you know, and people are not as enthusiastic about it. Brandon in the live chat over at Odyssey says, it's not name-calling, it's an observation. Well, it depends. Yes, I can observe that your behavior, you in general, I can, uh, I can, I can observe that your behavior is rude and crass and disrespectful, and, and it, it's rude and crass and disrespectful no matter who you are. The name-calling, you know, is it... Is it applicable? Maybe. And there are certain there are certain people that you could apply that term to and use it in a derogatory way and you'd be t totally justified. And you look at the behavior of some people like Mark Brooks or or Dan Slott or Ryan Johnson, Mark Hamill. There's a whole list of those people. Gail Simone, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, you could make that list and you could apply those labels and you would be totally justified. The question is not 
does the name calling apply? The question is, does the name calling improve things? I don't think it does. Because what it does, it sets up, it sets up an easy out. Because let's say that I'm a fan of, <clears throat> I okay, let me let me give you a for instance here. I like I like pineapple. I do not like pineapple on pizza. There are some people that like pineapple on pizza, and you know they at some point they should get help. But we have crushed pineapple, we have chunk pineapple, we have pineapple that's in its own juice, we have pineapple that's in syrup. You go in and you get the canned pineapple, right? I'm a f I'm a, I prefer pineapple chunks in its own juice, not the syrup. The syrup is a little sticky, it's too sweet. But there are people who are fan Now, you get this, let's go to Pineapple Con, Right? We'll put together an event at the hotel. Everybody is a big fan of pineapple. Pineapple. Well, I just I just like organic pineapple. Oh well, you're not really a you're not really a fan of pineapple then. Yeah, it starts to get silly. What what do you mean you like you like crushed pineapple? That stuff's just gooey and messy and it gets all over everything oh see and now now the disagreements on each side turn into the snake eating its own tail it becomes a circular firing squad and one little mistake one little thing that you say or do or post on either side on any side and you become a target you become a target of the people that you were aligned with before that it doesn't do anyone any good now I'm not saying that you can't have the debates I'm not saying you can't. We should have the debates. We should have the discussions because that has been that has been our legacy as fans for all this time. We've constantly been discussing and debating the merits of the things. But the degree of vitriol and the anger and the hatred and the venom that's spewing out there. The internet has made that all much more intense. And there have been there have been letters written back in the day long time ago that were full of venom sparks flew in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s that's, that's nothing new but we need to recognize that the internet makes things much worse the internet exacerbates and exaggerates and highlights and makes things much more intense than they otherwise might be than they otherwise should be. And we need to make a decision as fans. We can be enthusiastic about those things which we like. We can criticize those things we don't like. But we need to dial back the, the frothing at the mouths. We need to dial back the the laser eyes and the and the the pointed teeth the gnashing of teeth and the sackcloth and ashes and the pearl clutching and all of this stuff we need to 
dial it back. We need a little bit more civility in our discourse. It's okay to be a fan of something. It's not okay to be a hateful fan. And there are a lot of people who need that. A lot of people who need to hear that. A lot of people who need to learn that lesson. How we get there? No clue. Turn off the internet. Log out for a week and see what happens. I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I wish I could just snap my fingers and be done. Everything everything would be fine. But we know that's not going to happen. And for good or ill, everything that's going on out in the real world is going to have much more of an impact now than it than it otherwise would have as well. We need to be careful. Because this is this is all just a bunch of made up stories. Stop taking me to task. The reason we're in this mess is the nerds dialed back the hate and allowed the normies in the first place. To some extent, I think that's there's there's something to that. But at the same time, if if somebody comes in and expresses an interest in something, <coughs> who are we to turn them away? No, you're not allowed to be a fan. Why not? I think a certain amount of care should be in place, yes. It's hard to tell when you've got an infiltrator. Um, Brandon and Odyssey says, Juice all the way. I'm not so critical of other opinions, but many are. But that should never stop you expressing your opinion. Such people are fairly low on the intelligence scale. The agenda in Hollywood is in line with the politics of the day around the globe. It's bigger than just entertainment. And yeah, that goes back to my point of this this being impacted by the politics of the day, the ideological arguments that are being had. There's a lot at play right now. And <clears throat> I know that this has been around, you know, Greg Cox and I have talked about it a little bit. There there have there have been factions in fandom forever. It's always been a thing. But the intensity, I, and I, I, I blame the internet. I, I think that the internet opened things up to a degree that we never expected it to. And that has hurt the fandom more than it's helped. We'll see. Sci-Fi says, welcome new fans, but they have to correctly answer these 150 detailed questions about the canon. I will take issue with that, sir, because you spelled canon wrong. See? See how it is? It's just one thing. That's not how you say that. That's not how you spell that. That's not how you spell Wookiee. And then we're off to the races. Everybody just have some, have some, have a button in your head. Have a little pop-up that says, you sure you want to send that? Right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah, I, I start getting, I, I start thinking about this stuff and I think, do, am I a fan anymore? Do I just have a passing interest now? I don't know. Oh, he just spelled it right. That can. Okay. That can. The cannon on the front yard. Is it 50 caliber? All right. That's going to do things. Uh, that's that's it for us today. Um, okay. Like I said, we're, we're going to go see Thor tonight. <clears throat> I may post a couple of thoughts. Who knows? We'll see. So... Uh, in, in in that light, 
Uh, go find us over on socials if you want. I mean, I as much as I rail against the internet, we're on all of these different social media platforms. <clears throat> Shouldn't be, but we are. <sighs> We've also got a PayPal account, and and the super chats are active. If anybody wants to put one there, but you know, YouTube keeps fifty five percent of it, so that's the way it goes. All right, uh, tomorrow on the program, Cameron Pasha will be here. We're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel. He's a fan. He, he's been enjoying it quite a bit. And he's got a different perspective than just your normal, everyday, average viewer. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Of course, we got Good Morning Multiverse coming back on Saturday with the week's headlines. We'll probably have a very packed show because we'll have news from last week as well as this week. Not enough hours in the day to get it all done, folks. So uh, we'll just keep plugging at it, and you keep coming back, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. Meet in the middle somewhere. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much, uh, all of you in the chat. Very good active discussion. I appreciate you being here more than I can ever express. Uh, so uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.